Different gravy, not just another Sheffield Wednesday podcast. I'm Richard Miller, and joined today by co-host Luke Gledall. Not so much large and in charge, he keeps his BMI in check while still maintaining a modicum of control, and you can still call him Pappy. Uh, Luke Gledall, how are you doing, Dr. Luke? I'm good. As uh, long-time listeners know, I am a doctor. I've recently defended my Viva on my PhD. Uh, the, you know, my thesis is, as you know, Rich. You know, we've, we've talked a lot about this before. It was chips, an athlete's friend or foe. <laughs> so you, what you do is you lead him with a question. So you make you really trigger people's you know, curiosity on the matter. And people yeah. naturally think chips, well, it's carbohydrates. So it works really well for athletes. But as people have understood um, from my brief coverage and my summary on this podcast, it's not good. Do you think there'll be a time? Sleepy. Can you see, foresee a time in the future? You know how um, uh, fats were really like animal fats were really frowned upon. And now it's like, Oh, sugar's actually evil and animal fats are maybe good. Do you think there'll be a time in the future where we reconsider chips and think again, that they were actually chips were great. I think so. It is a cyclical thing as well. There's a hint. I mean, I'm, I don't want to just completely ruin my thesis, you know, but there we go. <laughs> well, that's the, yeah, the the strategic application of chips um, in the life of an athlete. That's a, well, I mean, we've already also covered some some great ideas, which is basically instead of ice baths, we should just put a series of chocolate on uh, Sam Hutchinson's limbs. Yes, and now he's entered his thirties as of yesterday, which uh, we'll get into later. He will need chocolate more often. Oh, it's just natural, isn't it? Absolutely. It is. Yeah. Um, before um, we get into yeah. uh, stuff, as I just have some uh, off from business, long-time listeners will understand that we're on the ERAL network. So just like to do a little bit of um, uh, promotion for another great episode on this uh, fantastic podcast network. So this podcast is Serial. And in Serial, uh, David Jones takes us through his underwhelming career at Sheffield Wednesday. Some say he has set records for being remarkably consistent in poorness, and Jones takes us behind the curtain to share trade secrets and stories from his phenomenally disappointing time at Hillsborough. <laughs> it's just another um, one of the great networks on the ERL network. See, that one's new to me. I, I thought I was up on all of the uh, the offerings from the ERL network, and... Uh, I can't wait. I, I'm I'm literally adding that to my to my feed right now. That sounds fascinating. Um, oh well. Without further ado, um, it's it's that time again. Breaking hoo hoos. Breaking hoo hoos. Uh, I mean, another fascinating week in in the, in the world of Wednesday. Um, there's the Forestieri ban to talk a bit about. Um, there's, uh, 
you know, whether, whether are there's any updates in terms of managers, some transfer rumors, and uh, and I suppose uh, the main thing, sort of manager wise, is that is that Hutton, the Huty Koki is uh, is over. You know, the dance floor has cleared. Uh, everyone has gone home because uh, Chris Chris has decided to uh, he's going to stay on the sofa with a can of uh, of Guinness and and just uh, just nurse that till till the gardening leave finishes. How many managers actually do gardening on gardening leave? There's a, definitely a series in that, isn't there? Charlie Dimmock is missing a trick, I think. <laughs> bringing her, um, you know, bringing her her charms to uh, to the world of of low level management. Just seeing. I would like to see Alan Marsh and Gary Megson oh. talking about high strangers. Is that what they're called? I mean, hydrangeas are certainly a thing. They, they okay. exist. Um, whether that's one of the <laughs> one of the particular uh, fauna, flora and fauna that uh, that that, that Mego zones in on, I don't know. Mm. <laughs> so, uh, but going on managers, it seems to have been a bit more of a hokey cokey in the betting odds and yeah. uh was odds on favorites and then there was a big rise in tony pulis but seemingly nothing announced right now no there's we we talked about the potential for for bullen um taking over mm-hmm. and i i would say sort of 95% of the field Bullen would be preferable to. There's really very few names I would rather have than taking the taking the chance on Lee Bullen. Uh, Hutton was one of those. If he's out, then that field narrows considerably. Mm-hmm. Um, we talked about doing our, our row at reps uh, last week, and I've mm-hmm. done enough of those that I can really I can make a pretty rosy picture in my mind for him uh, mm. him taking on the role, <laughs> uh, but. I'm also conscious that that is entirely work that I've done. You know, those are those are hard hours in the uh, in the mental gym uh, to get myself to that stage. I really don't know very much about him, um, <laughs> but I do know absolutely. You know, to my very core, I much prefer him to to Pulis or Coleman um, or okay. any number of of random grey on you know just betting market. For us, <laughs> chaff. that makes up the whole of the field. Yeah, bet Victor Chaff. <laughs> Victor Chaffler. Um, but we had the, the we've had the uh, Lorenzo foreign name. He's he still seems Johnny to be mention. Um. So, do you think it's- he's a? So I mean, that's, I mean that's interesting because I mean it was it was also Nixon who was saying he still thinks it's going to be someone who is foreign and not on the betting lists and the real kind of dark horse coming in on the betting. So you know his name kind of fits, but you wonder if it's just more turns and more names to come into the picture. Yeah. And how long of any kind of background conversations will happen until 
maybe Lee Bullen is more of more of a concrete idea for manager. Yeah, concrete Bullen. <laughs> I mean, again, my worry. I think we'll have some spirited performances under Bullen. Um, my my sort of ongoing worry is until he's been in that position where he sort of things there's been a bit of a downturn in form or there's a poor performance and you know it's half time until we've kind of seen him been in be in those situations turn them around you don't have the confidence that that's something that is in his locker um yeah but it might be that it is there with yeah, but it, we, but similarly, we don't know that it's not there either. So, I, I think with Bullen, it's it's the hope that all of his, you know, he's had a nomadic life in football. Uh, if he can put all of that to good use, uh, and we get all the all the the kind of juice from the various berries he uh, he you know he roamed the world squeezing mm. in his uh, in his footballing life. Those Bullen berries. Yeah, <laughs> um, we could, you know, we could have a great manager on our hands. We could, and that's, I guess, the interesting thing is that we talk. I, I guess, from football fans, it's a very limited, very blinkered view of football managers. In that we think, well, the, these people have failed on numerous occasions, but I think the thing we don't see, the thing we can't really account for on a more kind of humanist kind of perspective is like, if they've made that many failings, they must surely have learned some lessons. And I guess just to kind of do the mental, you know, the row of reps in my head, you know, (laughs) Bullen hasn't maybe had enough experience to make those failings or, you know, to learn in the process. He's maybe just been, you know, in the sense of being the apprentice and the second-hand coach, uh, the assistant manager. He's learned that by proxy. So again, that's the best we have to go with, really. He's done. Uh, he's done all the badges, hasn't he? I'm sure he has. I would love to know what those badges consist of. Oh, um, cone placement, advanced cone placement. Yeah, uh, clapping as people sprint past you. Mm-hmm. Um, how to do the the waggly hips thing, um, and um, disbursement of those rubber bands. That's one of the new things. You know those kind of rubber bands they put between their ankles uh, when they're doing some of the warm ups. That's one of the, the kind of latest additions to the course. Um, is, is is handing those out. <sighs> I've been away from watching live football for a long time, and I don't think I get the warm-ups on iFollow, or at least I tune in too late, so I have absolutely no idea about the rubber baths around the legs. But I'll take your word for it, Rich. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, they really look like they must be entirely ineffectual, Uh, but all of the the top teams do it, so I think everybody else is copying them. Uh, So, you know, it's... uh, it's a constantly moving thing, isn't it? This uh, this this wonderful world of uh, of football. Mm-hmm. Um, the uh, so yeah, I, basically, I think rather I would prefer giving Bullen a try to just plucking a random foreign name out of the hat and hoping mm. for the best, which it feels yeah, like we're doing then- again. 
But then um, also there's the cycle of football managers and the speed of which teams get through managers these days. So in a sense, hey, there's always there's always December, there's always November, there's always January for another appointment. Yes, yeah. I- we can't we can't afford to get it wrong, but then there's no guarantees and no no safe bets available. Yeah. I think that's why that's the appeal of Hutton is you can undeniably say this is a guy who has got the ability to do what we need him to do. He's done it before. He's the only one in the field really that's done it in recent memory. Um, he's also worked in tight budget situations, which, although we've had the embargo removed, essentially we're still in a pretty tight situation. Mm. So so he was the only guy that you could – there was enough things you could point to to make him the obvious choice. Anybody else, it's, it's a roll of the dice. And I yeah. suppose with Bullen, there's 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 – there's probably more chance of a positive outcome than a, than one of the terrible outcomes. But it's really a difficult situation because, you know, people say, oh, this is taking forever. But it's quite rare that a team just has to pick a new manager from nowhere. Like you've normally heard about things. You've not, you normally, if it's a sacking, you've got all that buildup. They've lost more games than they've won you quite often hear about managers, you know, oh, if they don't win on Saturday, well, they're going to get sacked then, aren't they? Because if they, even if they win that Saturday, they're probably not going to win every Saturday. Mm. So that's a decision that's been made ahead of time. <laughs> we haven't had that luxury. There's been no preparation for this whatsoever. So we're leaning blind into, I mean, a pool of, of just wanton dross. Um, if if the betting market is anything to go by, there is just nothing good out there. Um, to go back to the Berry analogy, they have all been squished. We are not on the extra virgin olive oil here. We are <laughs> lordy, what's left? I mean, we are just squeezing the pips and hoping for the best. So, <laughs> in that world, uh, you know, Lee Bullen is starting to look more and more appealing. Yeah, and I. Uh, the, the play and the, the recent kind of spates from Lee Bullen, including yesterday um, in interim management, has shown that we can play some decent stuff under Lee. Yeah. Or at least what it's given us right now. So, yeah. I, I want to just uh, correct myself. I said pips there. Olives obviously have stones, not pips, but they. Okay. Go. Yeah. Could say we're getting blood from the stone, you know? Um. So, anything else on the manager front, or do we want to move on to... Let's move on, because it's it's kind of weirdly stagnant right now, and there's yeah. no great huge rumours or news. But then so, you, also yeah. wouldn't be, yeah, you also wouldn't be surprised if tomorrow there was a new manager announced. It's, we're, we're, um, we're one of those weird clubs, <laughs> in a way. Yeah, we exist in a weird kind of bubble, right? Yes. So Fernando fought the law um, and he won, which is good. Uh, he then fought the FA and the FA won. So he's got a, he's got a six-match ban in front of him. Uh, With a brief reply, uh, you know, an appeal, which 
I'm guessing it's only going to keep him available for the, for the first game, which was well, yesterday. It allowed us to have that very ineffectual so, 10 minutes or whatever we had from yeah. the, on the left-hand side. Yeah. What, what a wonderful treat it was. It was <laughs> to just delay the inevitable and then just, yeah, have nothing. <sighs> it's, I, I know there's been lots of talk about the rights and wrongs of um, the FA holding a different legal standard than the courts. Um, it's frustrating, but six, six, even if you take it on the nose that, that something untoward did happen, uh, which is the decision the FA have made, like they're, they're sort of, that weighing up the possibilities is that they think more likely than not something that shouldn't have been said was said. Even if you take that, six matches and a fairly hefty fine seems seems a and bit. He's much. already served a free match ban before. Exactly. Yeah, and I understand the concept of what happens, but you know he's playing a friendly, and then you get banned for competitive matches, which is not supposed to happen. Anyway, is it? Does it? Well, that's, it seems to be the norm these days. I thought, by and large, um, it didn't. It didn't count for proper games, but maybe when it's violent conduct, it's different. Right. So, so yeah, yeah, I mean, so he's fined twenty five thousand pounds and six games. You know, I understand the concept of being heavy handed, but it is too heavy handed, basically. If you take those six and add the other three, that's a quarter of a season he's missing as a result. That's quite a chunk. And there's no there's no concept of saying So what happened if he would have been charged by the F sorry, by legally? Just run out of football for life, I presume. Would he? I don't know. Because this yeah. never happened. Right? It's it's I suppose I don't know what Suarez was banned for. And Terry was Terry was viewed innocent in the eyes of the law. Yes, Terry was quite a similar sort of situation to Fernando's in that that yeah the court found him not guilty, and then the FA. This is a really dangerous conversation because I feel like it's we're kind of weighing up morality and then we can bring in a lot of other instances and think, how how do they kind of match up? You know, and I, I don't really want to go down a path. Yeah. Well, I, I so... that Like, I'm not going to bring in Chad Evans or Luke McCormick who oh, killed yeah, someone, but, you know. Yeah. No, I don't think we should go down. Uh, the the first link that comes up for Luis Suarez, Patrice Evra is Liverpool FC fandom. I don't know whether this is going to give me the information I need. I think I might. I suspect I might get a pretty skewed look on things. But um, mm. that terrible Patrice Evra lied. Um, eight game ban and a forty thousand pound fine, and that there was clear like footage of him saying the n-word to ever several times mm. which there's not that sort of footage for for forestieri i think with what happened what happened with john terry was he absolutely said the what the 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 con the thing in question so the court sort of broadly took his 
or they could they decided they couldn't make a decision because that's what the court normally does. So nobody called, nobody said for like nobody said Forestieri is innocent. In fact, the judge said, "I think you probably did say this, but I can't mm. prove it." Okay, and same with John Terry. So there was never a question of whether or not he said what he was alleged to have said. He definitely said it, but in court he said, "I was repeating it back to Ferdinand." And the court then sort of said, well, we can't we can't rule on the context, so we can't charge you. Whereas the FA said, well, you said it, so we have to charge you because you said it. And I, I, that does sort of make some sense to me, I, I, I think. Um, so I think you just have to take it on, on face value. We haven't had the, 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 the evidence that's been presented. Um, but just on... Just, I mean, the fact he's got less of he's got more of a ban added together than Suarez got for something that was undeniable really seems harsh on Forestieri. Yeah, yeah, uh, and just the continual living frustration of Fernando Forestieri carries on. Yeah, yes, he's just. In the, his first season for us, he was a he was a nuisance to the opposition, and every season since, he has been broadly a nuisance for ourselves and mm-hmm. nobody else. Um, Terry was was fined two hundred twenty thousand pounds and banned for four matches. Four matches, but it was slightly different in that they kind of like it's like well, you definitely called him a um, a black c word. Um, <laughs> the context of that was the question there. So there we go. Um, do you think? So we, we, we've also got rumours to talk about in terms of, of transfers. So one of those is that Rhodes um, maybe this week there might be a fee agreed for Rhodes to go to, to Norwich, um, and another one is that uh, Lucas Schwau might be headed towards the exit at, at least on a loan basis. How does how do you feel with that alongside the the Forestieri news? I'm slightly worried that starts to make us actually look a bit thin in an area where it felt like we had an embarrassment of riches. Well, we still go back to the mentality of you know Forestieri has never been a striker. Yeah, Forestieri rolls best either on the wing or one of the front three, you know, on the outsides. Yes. So it's it's really funny when you talk about strikers. It's often if like if you did like a little test with me and, and got me to name the strikers, I, I usually sometimes think I'm forgetting someone, and I'm like, oh yeah, you know, we can use Forestieri. It's a little bit like we we're talking about centre backs, and I'll completely forget about Van Aken, or I'll mm. forget about the prospect of using Iorfa as centre back because it's just not natural. Yeah. Is it a bone of contention, though, with Forestieri himself that he um, he doesn't see himself as a as a winger? He doesn't like well, that's the thing. Him. That's the thing, and he doesn't. Even though he's a player who's can be quite industrious, he doesn't seem to want to do it. He's got limited value in 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 that system that's set up on Saturday. Um, because he's a winger who doesn't work hard enough to be a winger. And I think he can, though. That's the thing. I, 
feel like we've seen that from him before. I didn't say he couldn't. I said he doesn't. Oh, I'm sorry. (laughs) Well, no, but it's an important (laughs) point to make with Forestier. Sure, sure. He can do all sorts of things, but it seems to happen on a schedule of his choosing. Yeah, and I mean, that's a similar mentality to talk about a different player and different abilities. It's like, I think Bannon can be really good up the pitch. Yes. But Bannon doesn't seem to want to do it. It's a little bit, um, was it Keith and Orville? Orville oh, yeah. You know, Orville is our, um, our Bannon. Bannon's like, you know, I, I think I could, you know, but I, but I can't. <laughs> It's exactly the same. It's like, Bannon, you can't play for him. But I can't. <laughs> I wish I could go right up top of the pitch, but I can't. You can, Barry. I can't. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to stay back and play quarterback. <laughs> pinging calling with balls. <laughs> That's Bannon. That's, that's how it's yeah. Punch Company. He's <laughs> <laughs> birthday after all. So, and we have seen a couple of times of um, front two pairing and Forestieri being there, and he's just he's not good. No. So, and he can't play up front on his own. No. Well, the only yeah. the only player I think who can play up front on his own is is Fletcher, right? Uh, yeah, and knew you again if he fancies it. Knew you can be an effective lone frontman. This is the thing that just it, it, it gets me mildly anxious <clears throat> to think about is, is the Wednesday striker situation because it's like there's a bunch of players who don't really fully believe in their abilities or you know are limited in certain aspects. It's like Joe, Joe. So yeah. okay, let's talk about. I'll just cover Zhao quickly, sorry. So, Zhao can do it all. It's just a question of whether he's... Yeah, uh, he's um, he's an enigma wrapped in a mystery. Yeah. And so, he's six foot three. Yeah, so he's one of the ones going out, and it's like, I don't really want to see Zhao leave. So, <clears throat> we'll get on to performance and, you know, how he did, you know, when we cover the match later. But, you know, he was... To spoiler alert, he scored and he was fantastic in a cameo. But I know following this is a starting berth where he will disappoint. Yes, yeah, that's been his way. Uh, we did. We talked a bit about it last week, didn't we? Um, yeah. My, my worry is, so we sort of go, oh, we've got too many strikers. Yeah. Okay, I think we can lose Rhodes. He didn't. He barely played. Uh, he didn't play for us last season. He's he's barely played for us at any stage, really. I mean, he's always been a kind of bit part guy. Um, so you, really, you know, we lose roads. What we wouldn't notice any difference, really. Yeah, we lose, win all again. We yeah. don't notice much difference. Win all's and the I, one who I if I had to get rid of one striker, it, it'd be win all. And I, unfortunately, would put Nuyu in that bracket of yeah. if he toddled off, it wouldn't be... It really makes me sad because at times Nuyu has just been such a kind of bright, shining light in some terrible periods for the club. Mm-hmm. But 
ever since he signed that new contract, that oh, well, we well, we've talked previous to the podcast a lot about Ati Nui. There's there's kind of different stages of Ati Nui. There is um, absolutely no form, but works his socks off. There is good form, but not putting in the effort. And then there is that rare occasion which happened towards the the end of uh, the season that, that got the one in that new contract, mm-hmm. where he is both working hard and getting success for it. <clears throat> Prior to signing that new contract, we didn't know there was a fourth mode, which is not bothering at all and also looking like a pretend footballer when he plays. And that has been what we've been stuck with now for uh for the whole duration of his new of his new contract he's just not he's not working hard and he's not doing anything good when he's on the pitch and that i've just got no time for yeah um so this is it there's just a huge it's not like it's not like here we've got five strikers and they're all world class and look, it it breaks our heart, but we're going to have to set one free to another team. Yes, you know it's just not happening, right? If if we lost in this next week, which is the the, the end of the transfer window, if we lose Lucas J. Wow, Joao, um, and Jordan Rhodes, mm. that front line starts to look incredibly thin. Yeah. Because we are then just a Fletcher away from having to start Ati Nui every game and hoping he actually pulls his finger out and does something for us. Because nobody else can do that job. Winnall can't lead the line. Forestieri can't lead the line. So there is the, it, that job up top is Fletcher or Nui. And Fletcher will get injured at some point. He always does. He always has. And... You know, you don't tend to avoid injuries more as you get older. No. So, it, yeah, that did sort of worry me hearing the hearing the news about uh, Jay Wow maybe leaving on yeah, loan. I don't want to see. I don't want to see Jao go. Jao's, I really don't want to see Jao go. I think you probably tell that from what I've said. I, yeah. No. Yeah. And we've got nobody else. Well, well Forestieri can produce moments like the one he produced yesterday. Um, but in terms of that frontman position, he's the only guy that can just pull a rabbit out of the hat. I mean, that was, it was nothing. The whole of their defence acted like it was nothing. It was mm. kind of a ball lumped to him in the middle, chest height, and he turned it into a, a just a beautiful goal yeah. um, before anybody else really noticed there was a chance on. And what is it, the stat I saw from Dell Johnson, who works at ESPN, is a big Wednesday eye as well. Um, yes. so since since 2015, the players who scored the most goals as a substitute in the championship, Lucas Zhao is top of 15. I think the next player's got something like six or eight. So, yeah, yeah super sub. Well, if you've been beaten up by Stephen Fletcher for an hour or more, and then... <laughs> Lucas Shaw comes on. Lordy, that's a tricky position to be put in as a defender. Mm. Um, I mean, he's as we say, he's got everything. He's so fast. If he gets to open up his legs and, and run at you, 
Um, and he can score all sorts of goals. He can score headed goals. He can score left foot, right foot. He can score scrappy goals. He can score them from miles out. He can score volleys. You know, he's he can do every, the lot. Mm-hmm. Um, as we were talking last week, he's the sort of guy that could pitch up at somewhere like Bristol City, have an amazing six months, and get a get a sort of contract in the Premier League that will see him for life. Yeah. <clears throat> it could still happen because Bristol are a team who links with him. And yes. I wouldn't mind him going to Bristol for a chunky fee. If we got like five or six million, I know prices are inflated these days, but I still think that's kind of fair. They've just sold this their main centre back for twenty million to Brighton. Yeah. Crazy. And yeah, sure if there's any team got a bit of money sniffing around to strengthen, that would be the team. And if he went for a permanent for a big fee, the thing that irritates me is like players just going on loan to just kind of tread the water financially as far as... Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, when, it's when you see sort of loans for two seasons and things like that, isn't it? In, uh, yeah. In other situations, you're like, what on earth was the point? Mm. But yeah, it's so much of it is bookkeeping. It's not... It's kind of squad building and bookkeeping going hand in hand. <laughs> so, uh, uh, yeah, Winnall is the one who I think... I think I'd just let one go, because I feel like we're going to get injuries. I feel we want to play different formations. You know, I'd, I would rather see Forestieri on, like, front three, but then does he want to play? Then he's going to be suspended for six six games. Then he could pick up an injury. Then who knows whether he's bothered this year. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> just consistently sigh over Fernando Forestieri. Just seriously. Uh, I know. <laughs> it's and still the, the thing with Rhodes is it's like, uh, I, I still believe Rhodes can do what Rhodes should be doing. The thing that kind of upsets me is the fact that we can't afford to find, we can't afford to find out if it works for him. Yeah consistently we're like this is our biggest signing our record signing and if the structuring for the deals if it's true then what is it four years and then we're paying basically two million every year to middlesbrough Mm. for that so that's how it's been structured apparently you know i'm It's it's how it sits in the books anyway yeah so then the whole thing about we we couldn't sell him last year because if we sold him it'd be taking a haircut on him and then we'd have to pay money to Middlesbrough. So that doesn't make sense. I, it just, it really frustrates me the financial hole we've got ourselves in. But outside of that Bristol city model, or everybody's Brentford. in the same yeah. hole as we are. The, the few clubs that are able to, to kind of turn players around, make a consistent profit on them are, are doing all right as businesses. Everybody else is just losing mind-blowing fees every single year. Yeah. And it's going to stay that way because we're competing with teams that are given hundreds of millions of pounds for failing in a different league. Yeah. So just to keep up, we have to lose that amount of money. Yep. That's how it works. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Anyway. Shall we... uh, Shall we... Get off this this dark tone and uh, move to something a bit brighter. Yes. Uh, yesterday's performance. So 
I'll I'll actually just for, while while we're still on the moaning front, I'll I'll I'll, I'll briefly talk you through my travails, um, trying to follow the game in any useful way. So <laughs> we talked in the in the first episode actually about the fact that you being in Canada are able to um, easily watch more matches than I can mm-hmm. in the UK. Um, so a three o'clock kickoff on a Saturday that's away from home. Luke has got easy access to as long as he gets gets up <laughs> and gets himself ready. And it's um, for myself. I was trying to listen to the match and then follow up with highlights. Uh, I managed to lock myself out of my iFollow account uh, when I eventually got some tech support, which was changing my password to something unbelievably obvious and not making me change it again. Um <laughs> Which I'm not massively pleased about. It was then like uh, you know, do you remember? In, do you remember in Lost uh, where they had that they had the machine where they had to keep typing a code in to keep wow. the world from ending? Did you never see Lost? I started watching it and then I was like, no, uh, not doing well. They found a bunker that, and there was a machine where they had to put a code in like every hour. And then it was like, why are we putting the code in? Well, nothing bad happens if we put the code in, so we've got to keep putting the code in. Well, the uh, iFollow have, uh, in a loving tribute to Lost, done that with their mobile app uh, in that you need to press play every 10 to 20 seconds to keep the radio uh, playing, which oh, was excellent. brilliant. Oh, just so good. What a treat. Um, so I got frustrated with that, and I found a more... Uh, nefarious means to watch the match. Uh, so I managed to see the last, I think what basically the first big thing I saw was the sending off. Mm. Um, and I saw, I saw sort of everything from then on, uh, but you managed to watch the whole thing. So I will, um, I will allow you to sort of give us your, your rundown of the match and I will chime in where I've made notes on either the highlights or my uh, my glorious sort of 15 minutes towards the end that I was allowed, able to follow. I think the thing that was, that was interesting is you think about previous years and you think about what happened on the opening day of the season. So the last two seasons have been reversed. We've been away at previously Lancashire clubs um we two seasons ago i think it was when was it when we lost one nil to preston and we were just not at the races whatsoever it was like pre-season had never happened or pre- oh, yeah. pre-season yeah. still having it was basically the pace of a um yeah of a training training game and it was just awful and it was just the worst way to start the season uh, last year we were away at Wigan and we lost three two, and who I think it was Cardiff lost three two away at Wigan. So that was that was interesting to see that result. Yeah, and yeah, just poor starts, false starts. It seems to be. So regardless of the result, it was just refreshing to see the players out and the pace was there. And it looked like application was happening. It looked like everybody was at the races. Mm, definitely. Particular highlight and from there, it was kind of, um, you know, the, the main tactic, um, which, which, you know, obviously paid off in the first half, was basically seemingly just get the ball to Kadeem Harris. 
And then he was just having whoever the Reading fullback or Ryback on, on toast for the entire first half, which led to, let's come in and bring it to that first. Oh, actually, before that, let's talk about uh, the big incident was the Leeds handball, oh, which I'm yeah. sure you saw in the highlights. Great save. It was a great save. <laughs> You know, the interesting thing is that the uh, the Reading players didn't really appeal for it a great deal. It kind of seemed fairly muted. Yeah, that was that was strange. Um, I mean, you never know what people see, and it did happen quickly, but it was one of those that looked bang on in real time and then looked worse in slow motion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't know really how the how the ref missed that one. No, and then what a thankful, what a huge slice of luck it was for us. Mm. I imagine how teed off the Reading fans and managers and players were. And that that was that was pretty huge, and that kind of feels like a real turning point for the game. But I say turning point in that if it went ahead, then that's a huge that's a huge different game of football for the remaining. You know, 60, Absolutely. 70 minutes or whatever it was at that point. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, for the for the run of play, I would say that we were we were the better side for the first half. And so, forgive me because I, I didn't watch the, I didn't see the whole game. So I, I've seen um, in the highlights there was quite a few sort of breaks from Harris down that uh, left mm. back. Um, was that our only out ball? And did we lo- use Reach a lot less than we did last season? Reach was kind of quiet this game. Okay. Yeah, there wasn't a great deal from Reach, I'll be honest. Which might serve as well, because Reach is still going to be Reach. But in future games, if people are paying attention to Harris, that frees up Reach. And if they're paying attention to Reach, it frees exactly. up Harris. Um, that might be a nice position to be in, because... Games where we've been made to look very uh, ineffectual have been sort of you either sit on Bannon or you sit on Reach, or if you're especially good at defending, you you sit on both. And that makes us Mm -hmm. very pedestrian looking. But uh, the more threats you have, the harder that gets to to be. It's like a mouse in a barrel. Several mice in a barrel. You just don't know which one is going to get the ball. But anyway, let's go into the first place of goal. So it was uh, it was an excellent kind of kerchief ball from Palmer. Palmer, who I'll get onto later, that I thought he did really well on the left and, and probably had a lot to do with the kind of pairing with him and Harris on that left side. That left yeah. flank did really well. And uh, just the first touch was absolutely exquisite from Kadeem Harris. Yes. Just knocked it around him and then just burned him, burned the, the, uh, the Reading right back for pace which was just fantastic, and left him on his backside. Now, at that point, it feels like my iFollow subscription. I've got my money's worth at this point. (laughs) (laughs) But then Kadeem Harris um, looked like he megged the keeper, just uh, absolutely smashed it in with his instep. And yeah, 1-0 up. It actually just went to his left. But yeah, it was a very tidy finish. Mm. Lovely stuff, and he he nearly did that before as well. Like it looked like he did, as you say, he kind of he had that he had the right back 
in his in his pocket. Not just Absolutely. the pace, just looked so okay. strong as well. Mm-hmm. Just shrugged him away, left him on the floor. It's exciting. We're not. I can't. It remember, is. I, I can't ever remember us having a player like that. To be honest, <laughs> it's been a it's been a long time. Probably Antonio. I guess is the is the last time. Um. So. Uh, and then there cool. was the equaliser from Reading, which yeah. um, I, I it was interesting. I wanted to kind of look back, and I I, I looked at the the you know I looked at that goal a few times to see who was at fault. Yeah, and you know, yeah, I'm sure there is defensive errors and things, and pe- you know, something that would people be at fault for in general. But but overall, it's actually a very good goal from Reading. It was well um, taken. Yeah. The only thing that I would have said was the thing I wanted to keep highlighting and isolating. I was like, who was the player who lost out to Mater for the looping header? And that was Harris. It was Harris. And then, like, I don't think I can really um, be too upset with Harris for that. One. No. Well, with his stature, he. Then is the question: Is how do we? Why was he? sort of solo marking someone on the far post. Like that That's where it feels like defensively something went awry. Um, yeah, not to sort of pour over things. You know, we won the game, so you don't want to go too much detail. I, I think I noted one of – a slight frustration with Tom Lees is he, he gets sucked to the ball, um, doesn't do anything, and then doesn't get back very quickly with any sort of haste. Um, he's generally a very good defender, but just sometimes that's a very kind of basic thing is if you go out of the box in search of the ball, you've got to make something happen. You've got to sort of make contact with your man or make contact with the ball or both. Um, And if you don't do those, you've got to absolutely bust a gut to get back to where you're supposed to be. So I don't know whether it was a bit of a domino effect of Lee's being out of position. So that meant that, Borna was probably out of position, probably meant that uh, Palmer was sure. out of position and then Harris sort of ended up following a man in. So he was, I think he was being diligent and following, but he's never going to win that header. You know, he's for, for all his, uh, yeah. his athletic prowess, he's a, he's a pretty short dude and uh, the headers sometimes just come down to the pure mechanics of, uh, yeah, I'm a but big that, guy. You're a little guy. I'm going to win this header. I, I think to kind of fast forward, you know, and not to spoil things too much, but I think individually to, to a man, the defense was largely pretty good. I'll get into who I thought was not so good within that five later. Um, but um, individually quite good, collectively still a little bit suspect. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's early doors. That's a new centre-back pairing. Yeah. Um, and a relatively new sort of four as well. I don't... I know they started the last friendly together, but um, they weren't always those four playing together. Is Iorfa mm-hmm. injured? Iorfa's suspended because he picked up a red in the last, uh, right. last game okay. of last season. That shows what I know. I just thought it was strange that he wasn't in the yeah he wasn't in the last friendly lineup, and he wasn't in. The, but that makes sense if we if we knew we didn't we were going to have to do without him then. That would that would make some yeah. sense, um, but very quickly after their goal, we uh, we sort of went straight up the field and scored again. Hmm. Uh, yeah. So the um, the interesting thing was, yeah, uh, you probably heard from the commentary. I think it was 
replacing uh, Rob O'Neill was a gentleman called John Rawson, and he made a slight error by saying that Reading's lead lasted two minutes. It wasn't a lead, but you know the oh, right, having yeah. the game equal only lasted for two minutes. Yes. Um, and before that, it was, uh, I just want to comment on there was a great chance uh, that led to the corner, which was like off again, the ball on the left. He played it in. Fletcher ran onto it and got his uh, foot to it and it was deflected behind for the corner. And okay. yeah. uh, then from the corner, you know, lovely whips and ball. Um, you know, and Hutch found his space and just an excellent header. I thought Fletcher did really well in the build up to the goal. Uh, as we said that, yeah, that, that mm-hmm. um, he sort of orchestrated that move. He was demanding the ball for his shot, and then he also did a, he did a lovely job at the corner. Because um, watching that back, uh, there's three, two of them went with him, and a third was distracted, which made a huge pocket for Hutch to m- make a brilliant header. It was a fantastic header because um, he still could have just did a very tame header, <laughs> even though he had a free header. Um, but yeah, Fletch did some great, great work uh, drawing men away there. That kind of Andy Cole role. He was, he was just a fantastic Fletcher. Yeah. And then, but anyway, let's uh, let's carry on with the kind of timeline of the game. And this will be where you kind of join in, and we'll talk about this. Was the Westwood sending off incident? Yes. So that came directly after a lovely little moment from Palmer. Because that's when Palmer had his little sort of run around that time, didn't he? And a, and a shot. Oh, he did. That was incredible. Yeah, basically, yeah. Palmer just uh, just saw what uh, Harris was doing. Thought I can do it for that. <laughs> yeah, and I, I can... just took it around three players and um, rest the shot at the goal. <laughs> yeah, I can drop my shoulder and uh, charge past a couple of players. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So. The sending off incident was, uh, yeah, as I say, that was pretty much the first significant thing I I was able to see. Um, And I think just my initial reaction was, I don't know what Westwood is doing out there, really. Um, Well, what was Westwood doing and what was Odebarjo doing? So we talk about kind of things that worked. So the interesting thing was we seem to ping a lot of crossfield passes or out to the left to to Harris who had their, their right back on toast, and, or we play down the left and the same thing happens again. They seem to do a similar thing as well. I think they really targeted Odebarjo. Yeah, it did look that way. And that was a real, real huge mix-up between Westwood and Odebarjo. But then, I, I know hindsight is a wonderful thing, but Odebarjo was, was, was way out of position and he was caught napping. But he was quick enough, actually, that he'd caught up with Barrow, and he he'd got he'd got to the ball first, which is why Westwood ended up kind of clearing him out. But the foul get looks it gets worse because what Westwood did when he was smashing into Old Pacho is is make sure he um, he got a full boot onto the the knee of Barrow to uh, to absolutely halt his momentum. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I'm a bit worried it might be a three-game ban. Is it tomorrow we'll find out about that? Well, that's the interesting thing, because I know there's discussion on Twitter. I thought it was a denial of goal-scoring opportunity. Like, it wasn't a particularly heavy... It wasn't a heavy foul. 
Or I don't know. I think have you seen the pictures? I don't think I have, I'll be honest. It looks bad. He's got his full studs first boot onto the outside of Barrow's knee. It's absolutely the sort of tackle that would get a red card on its own. If we're lucky, it will be for denying the goal-scoring opportunity, and we should absolutely not appeal it because on appeal they might decide it's a one-match ban. It was right. violent. Yeah, I would. If it's a one-match ban, then we should we should um, be thanking our lucky stars. To be honest, really, I, I thought it was more denial of goal-scoring opportunity myself. Sort of a one-match ban. Um, yeah. But anyway, I think it's anyway. Uh, I think Westwood took one for the team in that situation. Yes, yeah, he did. He did. Uh, I'm I'm sure in his. <laughs> I think watching the incident again, he he did didn't need to be there, and he didn't need to take the action that he did. But I think once he was there, it it sort of became the only thing that he could do really, and step away with the with the conscience with that with, with no conscience about it because there's a very good chance that Barrow just walks in and scores the goal um I, th- I think probably what would have happened is that Olabadja would have just cleared it out for a corner uh but mm. that's with the benefit of watching it kind of six times and various speeds and various angles <laughs> so um yeah I I it was it was quick work. It's probably stopped a, a goal or at least a chance developing, and thankfully because we managed to get out with the three points. Yeah, it's fine. Really, <laughs> I hope we don't lose him for three games. Um, I thought I, I made a comment that uh, so often Bannon acts like the captain. Uh, you so often see him talking and geeing people up. And um, one of the first things that happened after the sending off was Bannon made a, just a ferocious standing tackle in our box. And it absolutely sort of set the tone uh, totally in the way that, that a kind of, and we mentioned him in, in non, not so glowing terms last week, but, but a kind of Roy Keane-esque leading from the front sort of tackle. Um, mm. I thought that was really a, a great moment of stepping up and we're not going to let this go. We've worked too hard. (laughs) Um, So that was, that was nice to see. Um, And then a wonderful, absolutely wonderful goal from, from, from Lucas Zhao. Yeah. And then um, Zhao came on and just did, um, at that point, just having a brilliant cameo of just winning the ball, time wasting, drawing fouls in the corner. He was just being incredible. You know, really working hard to to just have uh, Hutchinson chip it in, just an absolute death touch from Lucas to knock it down, and then swiveled and not to home. It was uh, yeah, it was lovely thinking from from Hotch. Uh, just had that picture, didn't he? And uh, and acted on it. Lovely stuff. And uh, yeah, and immediately. I was thinking about all these reports about how he might leave and it made me very sad. <laughs> um, I, I also made a note that Charlie Adam looked really fat and old. <laughs> he does. He does. Uh, and it, again, brought my mind back to the Lee Catamole conversation. I just don't want an old cart horse 
farting around in midfield. Sorry. Um, any other comments? Did you want to do sort of player ratings or? Yeah, let's just kind of move on to player ratings. I, so... I, so I will bow out having not. I don't think I got a full enough picture to to uh, judge anyone, okay. but I'm I'm very interested to hear yours. Let's go from the back to the front. Uh, Westwood. So largely, he was very good. I mean, we can probably be critical of the situation, but uh, he did pull a couple of decent saves. Nothing he could do for the goal. That was he was good. That was probably more than seven out of ten for Kieran in that situation. Um, here's the weak link, as you can probably imagine from what I've said, Odebarjo. Um, to be fair, I think we will see some better performances from him in a Wednesday shirt. I've given him a six to be generous. Okay, he was just out of sorts today. I'm wondering whether as a player he'll be someone who's a lot better further up the pitch for his pace. Um. But I mean, when when I offer comes back, I, I don't know. Do we stick with Odebarjo for a bit longer, or do we uh, switch him out and bring bring Big Dom back in? I suppose you don't like to change a winning team, but um, do you, so your feeling on the performance was probably I is going to be first choice right back. I think so. I think what we're looking at is essentially if Iorfa was here, it would have been Iorfa, Lee's, Borna, Palmer. Okay, yeah. Lee's did a great stuff on the line. <laughs> Wasn't quite his best, but he was still good. It was still good. It was probably more of a seven. You know, I really see your point about Lee's and getting dragged out of position. Uh, I think for the other centre-back pairing, Borna, was, Borna had a very decent debut. That's good. I think there's even more to come, and uh, I can see him learning a bunch about the league and really thriving in this Wednesday back five. Excellent. Did we say? Um, I think it's a shame. I think he'll pick up a number of man of the matches. He wasn't my man of the match, unfortunately. Okay. Uh, Palmer had a very good game on that left wing. Great link up play. Uh, Decent assist. Yeah, I'm I'm staggered to say this, but maybe our first choice left back is Liam Palmer. Lordy. I know. Old Liam. Old Liam. Uh, moving on to the midfield, uh, let's kind of look at the centre. Kieran Lee. I think Kieran Lee is coming back. His legs are back. Um, it's crazy, isn't he, it? he was a little bit quiet at times, but I think he'll approve. He did have an impact. He did break a few things up and have some nice moments. Did you Rope see there was, well. a, there was a gifable moment that happened with him where um, the ball sort of spun up from the, the, uh, the sideline, um, probably about sort of, 20 30 feet in the air and then he he trapped it on the on the halfway spot like basically on the center spot uh, just without just no fuss whatsoever but it was like one of the most magnificent touches of the football you'll see anywhere this weekend he just we've uh, we've missed him so much like a thick Kieran Lee is just it's a different gravy rich (laughs) he is he is if you had to buy a Kieran Lee you'd be spending an awful lot of money. You would. You really would. If we can, yeah. And if, yeah, if we talked about it, if we can get a hand, you know, a good sort of half dozen or more games from him, which looks very possible at this moment in time, that will be the best bit of business we could have possibly done this summer. Yeah. So did we give him a score? Sorry. I I was uh, getting too excited. Let me kind of go back and say, Lee's was a seven. Warner, I'd give an eight. I'd give an eight to Palmer. 
I probably think still a seven for Kieran Lee. Okay. Um, that it's, you know, I can still, there's a little bit of rust still there, but it's, he's a hell of a lot closer right now than he was. It was a lot different too. I remember you talking about the last game of the season, you know, and he was just, you said he was blowing. Mm. Yeah. I've given a, an eight to Hutch, um, a goal and an assist. <laughs> I don't think you can really ask much more. No, absolutely Maybe some not. of his defensive play, he seemed just a little, little off, but I, I think that's being incredibly harsh to a performance where he's chipped in with an assist and scored an excellent goal as well. Yeah. I'm amazed it's only an eight. This is harsh marking. <laughs> Maybe so. Maybe so. I mean, it was a weird thing that, like, uh, some of the overall play, I, I've seen better from Wednesday, I'll be honest. Okay. Yeah, so not maybe uh, not a video. Moving on to the wings. Reach Reach was quiet, but he had yeah. a small impact, and I'm, I'm really glad he was there. Uh, I'm going to give I'm going to give a seven for Reach. Nice. And then I think the man of the match has to go to Mr. Kadeem Harris. Lovely. He's just such a player. This is just uh, I. I hope there's more performances like this coming from him. I feel yeah. like we may get into a situation like you were saying, where like uh, teams will double up on him and try and nullify that threat and see what we're up to is just 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 spray it out, spray it out to the left. He seems to be a popular lad already in the dressing room as well, which is nice to see. Mm. I mean, um, I know people get excited scoring a goal and the first goal of the season anyway, but they really, yeah, really felt like there were several players made a point of kind of going and speaking to him or doing, you know, doing some sort of celebration or thing with him. So I, that's a nice sign as well. I think that that makes me think that they know he's a real quality player from from spending time on the training ground with him. Yeah. <clears throat> oh, the other player in the center of the pitch I completely forgot was uh, was Bannon. Oh, that that old chestnut. You know, his usual usual self, I guess. I think we've seen better from Bannon, but I think we've, we've definitely seen worse. Uh, give it, I'd give him like a seven for his performance. Okay. It was a good he assist. He still got an assist, didn't he? With he got an assist. Um, he did a great bit of defending late in the game, and then there was a chance that Redding had coming in, and Bannon just funded back and plowed the ball out for a corner. And that That's was, the one that I was, was talking about, see. yeah. That was yeah. a captain's moment for me. Yeah. Yeah, so maybe maybe we'll notch out to a seven and a half. Oof. Maybe I'll be generous wow. there. And Don't then up front, I crazy. think... Um... Sorry, Rich, were you going to say something? I was just saying, don't get too crazy. Don't get too crazy. <laughs> and I think someone who had an uh, amazing game that I think can be, like, would probably be aggrieved that I didn't give him out of a match was Fletcher. Mm-hmm. Fletcher was just a goal missing from an absolute perfect performance. You know, he worked so hard. His link-up play was fantastic. He led the line. Um, yeah, he just brought in other players and dragged his defenders around just so much. And disappointing, I'm disappointed for him he didn't score. You know, I think he did everything but score. Yeah, well, that sounds like a fairly typical Stephen Fletcher performance, but... Um... But I'm glad we got the good bits. That's the that's the main thing, isn't it? I think if he keeps mm-hmm. bringing all those other elements, you goals are secondary to that. There'll be games where sure. 
unfortunately we won't get the goals and we'll be thinking why didn't our striker get there but um hope if we can have more games like yesterday where uh you just don't mind it would have been a nice addition but there was a penalty incident in the first half, actually, where Fletcher just absolutely climbed over one of the Reading defenders oh, from really? the corner. Yeah, which I'd rather he wouldn't do. Yeah, I'd rather he didn't. Rather he didn't do that. Which was funny because when I was I, in my early notes, you know, it's I started taking uh, notes, and it's it's funny to kind of look back and see, you know, vignettes from a different time. And, um, you know, I noticed that the uh, the referee was giving a lot of the niggly small stuff to Reading. <laughs> like, mm. that looks pretty biased. Uh, but then we got off with two very big calls. Yes, yeah. So I yeah, can't really... Yeah, it's hard really, to uh, feel too, too agreed. It's hard to feel too agreed by the performance of the officials, <laughs> yeah. Um, and we're top of the league. We are. Top of the pops. Top of the pops. And the season now. Yeah. So I think um, haven't I think Leeds have just won right now. They did. They, I think they absolutely trounced uh, Bristol City. Three ones. So I guess oh uh, three nil for a long time. Top. Okay, three one looks a alphabetical bit top. But if you end the season now, uh, I don't think this much. Leeds being champions, if we can get automatic promotion, that'd be okay. Yeah, I wonder what puts Leeds on my. Uh, standings they're behind us so we're champions and leads a second <laughs> I don't know what that's based on shots um, I'm disappointed yeah. there's not a real um, what happens in this situation yeah. exactly yeah yeah we got to draw lots haven't we people are so excited so. about the potential of drawing lots aren't they have you ever noticed that any situation they may have to draw lots. Like, yeah, but there's like 17 other murders like I have to be like, no, but imagine the lots. Uh, I'd like to think uh, Chan Theory and the Leeds chairman could just uh, have it in a best of five rock, paper, scissors. Oh, yes, in a very smoky room. Love it. For years, there'll be talk about whether it actually was <laughs> if it actually was paper or rock that they were going to do at that third, uh, third round. <laughs> uh, somebody uh, somebody on on uh, Twitter said, um, I don't want to get too carried away after one game, but uh, I can't see us losing and we're going to probably be promoted by Christmas. Um, <laughs> speaking of comments from Twitter, um one comment we had on our, our predictions on the league came from Drew Gentry on Twitter. Um, and his main sort of thrust was that he thinks we'd be quite surprised at how poorly Leeds do. I mean, again, you don't want to draw too many conclusions from the first game, but we had mm. Bristol City as probable contenders for the playoffs, both of us. Mm. Um, and Leeds have beating them pretty handily away from home. But who knows? Maybe maybe uh, we, we'd both really like it if Leeds did a lot worse than last season. So we'll we'll have to wait and Probably see. Would. Um, In general predictions to... talk, it was interesting. I listened to uh, another, another podcast, I think Second Tier, which is a podcast dedicated to the championship. Okay. And uh, they did, uh, I think, four shows where they did ever like six positions of the championship leading from the bottom all the way to the top. Um, they pick a Wednesday for 16th between them. 
16th. And then there was the uh, the Sky Sports thing where we, yes. where we were 24th. <laughs> Which you wonder if it's just because um, Wednesday fans are notoriously hated um, for being arrogant and the whole massive joke which doesn't go over well with rival fans yeah i think it was a lot of that but then we tend to win all those online polls so i'm sort of surprised we didn't come top because when it's like goal of the week or whatever on sky we tend to vote on mass and uh and win the win you know it's uh it tends to be reach and he tends to win the award because <laughs> there's so many uh, wednesday fans voting Mm. Um, just in terms of other feedback, um, I mentioned last week that we've got uh, an email address available now, which is differentgravypod at gmail.com. Um, we, we had uh, one particularly interesting message in, in the mailbox. Um, I don't know if you can decipher this or, or sort of make, any, uh, make anything out of this, Luke, but um, mm. so it's, it was um, people in Newcastle seem to hate us. Can we come back, please? And that was uh, from uh, Steve A, Steve B, and Steve C. Interesting. Can you can you make anything out of that? No, there's just three uh, three very deluded Steves. I think in that uh, in that case, probably wouldn't want them back. I don't think. No, you, you've made your Geordie bed, and now you've got to lie in it, pet. <laughs> We will say after the same pet, sir. Yes. Does pets can you use pets as the plural of pet in this instance? <laughs> Dear all of the Steves, you have made your bed, now you must lie in it. <laughs> <laughs> um so we've um I've managed to get as a special guest in the studio. We've mentioned him a couple of times recently, Luke. Um, mm-hmm. So it's uh, it's the manager of, of Wigan. Um, and he's offered uh, his, um, his layperson's opinion on medical matters. So he's going to assess uh, me- injuries for us from time to time. Mm-hmm. Um, he, so what was, a- what was the injury from the game, Rich, would you think, would you say? From this game, it was it was uh, Mudu Barrow's uh, injury sustained by uh, by Westwood and his his um, his vicious lunge. Mm-hmm. So uh, um, yeah, let's ask him. So I think we've got him on the line right now. So uh, Paul, what did you make to the Barrow injury? All right, Luke. Um, sorry, back. You know, obviously, it looks bad. You know, it looks bad on slow motion. Um, from a medical perspective, obviously I've got absolutely no, uh, you know, no. I'm not like yourself. I'm not a doctor. Uh, this is a, a very much a lay opinion. But I think uh, give it a rub, maybe have a bath. You'd probably be all right. That's me. I'm okay. Off. Well, thank you for joining us today, Paul, <laughs> and um, hope you have a great week. It's fast. He's he was really got out of here quick. That was um, he didn't even say goodbye. No, no, rude, really. If anything, I'm I'm upset that you didn't get a chance to talk to him as well, Rich. I, I wish I wish I could have. I could have done my impression yeah. for him. You could have. You could have. That's, <laughs> we'll That's have to do nice that some other time. For people. 
I think the problem is your impression is so spot on that people wouldn't be able to tell which was Rich and which was Paul. Yeah, that is a worry. For him, quite an existential crisis, I would think. I think it would. Okay, I'll just we'll I'll just talk to him because it'll blow his mind. We'll do that. Yeah. Okay, okay that's okay. safer, probably safer. Yeah. Um. So, anything else for uh, this this missive, Luke? We can talk about uh, so one thing we produced. Um, we have a mascot. Oh yes, a mascot. Um, a mascot. I commissioned a cartoon drawing of an owl in a blue and white shirt, holding gravy. And one thing I didn't say in the notes was um, I didn't ask for him to be built like a brick (laughs) S-house. So really, we were in a bit of a difficult situation that Rich and I uh, were kind of emasculated by our mascot. He's in far better better shape than we are. Oh, he's absolutely bodied up, isn't he? Very vascular. so we we, do, we don't have a name for him yet, do we? The uh, the different baby mascot. Uh, maybe people can make suggestions. Um, we might we might sort of maybe we'll do a poll at some stage to to decide what his name is. But he's a magnificent bird. He's a, you know what a great looking guy. I'll even accept if people want to jokingly name him Ali McAlface. That would be good. You'd you'd even accept that. You'd allow it. I would. I would. <laughs> um, well, we've also so um, sort of along with that, uh, we have a very um, a, I would say a bang average attempt at a uh, at a website up at differentgravypod.com. dot com. Um, so you can you can have a another. Real good look at the mascot there. Uh, you can also look at the episodes there, and, and we'll probably put some other uh, bits and pieces up on there over time. Um, there's also access to a, a store there, um, so you can you can have the different gravy uh, mascot on on so many ridiculous uh, items like leggings and mini skirts and shower curtains. Um, I do want a different gravy shower curtain. Oh uh, yeah, I, I'm not expecting anybody. To, to purchase any of the items but it's really fun and you can get carried away and um i, I would recommend any that would be my plug is everybody should try starting their own red bubble store <laughs> <laughs> well um that's that's it that's all from me um, yes yeah have a have a good week and cheery bye i'd like to say different gravy podcasts where we put the meat on the fire and also some delicious halloumi oh you got to think of those vegans nowadays you do nice meaty squeaky chewy cheese yes lovely oh squeaky cheese i that's a um i've seen a brexit halloumi sorry just to keep going here there's a i, I was in the shop and i saw a brexit halloumi which is because halloumi is a um a protected product like it has to be produced in cyber mm. um and you know one of the very real consequences of brexit is we, we might lose our access to um the mother's milk of halloumi that, that the country the nation now runs on um so somebody was selling their a, a british halloumi as squeaky cheese 
Is it squeaky cheese? Oh, I was going to call it grilling, grilling cheese or frying cheese. No, squeaky cheese. Buy yourself some nice British squeaky cheese. Support <laughs> Brexit and buy a, buy a squeaky cheese, would you please? Don't have a don't have a vegan sausage roll. Whatever you do. <laughs> oh, cheery bye. Is that Brexit Barry on you? Um, <laughs> Brexit Barry. This is what the owl sounds like. <laughs> I would put gravy on almost any item you could name. I would have gravy on top of it. <laughs> um, yes, cheerio, people. Um, we'll, we'll see you soon. Till next time. Have a good one. Thank <laughs> you.